0: footy prime the podcast presents
1: the weekend rap show
0: yes this is the weekend recap a historic weekend in some parts of the world a world-class weekend some might say a world championship in a sport that all of a sudden people care about And of course, our world-class sport, providing some world-class goals and world-class drama. I mean, that's at least how MLS is going to sell it, but it was pretty entertaining for us. How are you doing, everybody? I'm Brendan Dunlop. Happy to be joined on this Sunday, as I always am now, by Craig Forrest. How are you doing? I'm good. And deeply distracted by a world-class championship battle on the felt, it's James Sharman. How are you doing, boys? You're not participating in this snooker world championship, but you are not in your usual
2: recording location. I'm not because I had to be by a TV set this time around because uh, we're, we're deep into the final of the Scottish Open and uh, Luca Brassell right now up 8-5 when John Higgins, which means he's a frame away from winning his first championship. And right now he's deep within the Reds. So I suspect... You're, you're quite into this, aren't you? More and more. You've even got the white gloves on. <laughs> yeah, and the tuxedo. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That'd be awesome. <laughs> I should. What are the
0: chances that by the time our primers listen to this, that the guy that you said is in the lead here with how many, uh, how many innings are left? How many, how many frames are left? Innings,
2: frames. Uh, Luca, listen, he's going to, oh, whoa, he just round the jaws of the pocket with the black there. No, it's in. Um, Luca Purcell is about to win this, I would say. So by the time uh, listeners listen to this, they will know the result if they care about snooker. By the way, our boy Bergman Hotspur. Yeah. Right, he's got a full-size snooker table in his garage. I saw that. Oh, amazing! His grandfather's table, apparently. Where and does he live from? Um, the Coathas, isn't he? I think he's in the Coathas. Really, I believe so. Take a drive up there. I'm gonna say at Bergman Hospital, You know, we've met. You're a good lad. Um, you should invite the, <laughs> the podcast up, and we'll have some frames, sink some beers, and eat some pies, and talk some footy. Yeah. On the road,
1: my highest break is like 12.
0: (laughs) It's all about practice. So there's the blueprint for all of you super fans out there that have ever tried to meet your idols. You've been going about it the wrong way. You just need to tweet them photos of the activities in your basement. And if uh, if it ticks the box, if you if you got a, a big enough net or a washer and dryer set to shoot pucks at, or a pool table or a snooker table, maybe you can get some job. Or a few other things in the basement might do it too. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I want to know what other things might attract you to some fan's basement, Craig.
1: Uh, but
2: <laughs> hey, Craig, most most clubhouses would have a snooker table, wouldn't they? Or at least a pool table.
1: A pool table.
2: Yeah, not not snooker.
1: You know what? Maybe, maybe now, but no. Most of them were pool just for s- it's space reasons, right? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, y- you know they're freaking massive, twelve by six. Well, yeah, and the space that you have to have around it—you can't be up against walls and like
2: pool. Yeah, I, I, I grew up playing on a six by three table in my front room, and. uh you know, despite what you guys may think, you know, I did not come from, from massive amounts of money. So the, the room was an issue. So had the little short cues and the long cues and certain angles, yet these little short cues all go right up. I broke a window once, putting the, the butt of the cue right through the window. So yeah, that's,
0: that's my my history playing snooker. You're from this exotic part of Essex, isn't it? It was kind of like the Kent. The the Monaco of uh, the Monaco <laughs> oh, of Essex, yeah. is that it? Yeah.
2: I was, I was near it was near Essex, but it wasn't Essex. It was Kent. Gotcha. Kent
0: is very upmarket. <laughs> Not the parts I lived in. That's that's up Sharman's. That makes sense that Sharman's now moved to the more palatial suburbs where he's he's able to be three floors away from his family as he watches Snooker played in a country that's named after another country
2: yeah my podcast studio hasn't got a television hence my my current surroundings if only we had
0: a sponsor that could change that up Mm -hmm. insert electronic brand here (laughs) how hard was it do you think for steven gerrard despite the very brave and calm cool face that he put on how hard do you think it was for him to walk out on that touchline at as the opposing manager knowing that he loves that place i'm sure dreams of being the liverpool manager and the Somewhat near future, perhaps, and knowing too that almost every fan in that stadium, while they didn't want him to win that day, uh, wants to see him succeed.
1: I don't think it was hard for him. I think it must have been very weird. Yeah. Would be the word. I don't think it'd be hard, but yeah, very odd when you spend that many years at that club and come back in that situation. And he must also be quite proud of that too, because I mean, he hasn't been a long time retired and to be Premier League manager of a, you know, Villa going back to Anfield to this stage so early and with Villa playing pretty well, you know, resilient, you know?
2: So overall I think he has to be pretty happy. He got that standing ovation too, when he first hit the field. I wonder how long that lasts. I wonder at what point does Anfield say, you know what, Stevie, we've given you enough love, no more standing ovations. Because they do revere him, right? I mean, he's so popular. Mm -hmm. Maybe when Villa get really good. And and they start catching Liverpool.
0: That's it. It would, take Liverpool, it would take Aston Villa challenging Liverpool for that tide to turn. Exactly. Right? I remember, yeah. you know, in our industry, it's, uh, it's an older adage, I guess, or, or idea that if, you're, if you work in the media, you got to hide your fandom. There's no fans in the media, right? No cheering in the press box is the old saying. But particularly on TV, as things got more casual and a bit more personality was encouraged, um, old school bosses and managers would always say, don't let them know who you support. When we started working for an old-school manager of this type, um, a boss, he said to me, oh, you like Villa, though? You can tell the people. It, it'll be cute. If you liked United, you couldn't be talking about that on air. Or Arsenal, no way. But Villa, yeah, people will feel bad for you. You should go on air and say you like Villa. The old sympathy vote. <laughs> yeah. say like Ted Lasso, uh, Richmond, supporting the Richmond team. Well, I tell you, in most parts of the world, Richmond AFC are bigger than Aston Villa. Because that show is massive. It's a great show. I wish there was a, an all or nothing on Liverpool when the Klopp has been there. Maybe that'll be next season. We brought that up oh. on the previous show, Sharms. You asked where the cameras are this year. They are at Arsenal this season.
2: Yeah, so, sorry. Sorry, B. I wasn't listening. Uh, I just got to update you the snooker here. Please do. Yeah, something
0: epic just happened.
2: Yeah, Brussels just won with a 128 clearance, and his last black he did with a no look shot. Come on. Yeah. No, like luck. just to rub it into the other guy. I think a little bit of showboating. you know, you can, you can, the, the young players nowadays are really giving it to the fans. You know, these two have mutual respect. So that's a great way to finish up. What a great performance. 128. The other guy should have broke his cue over his back. <laughs> it's not Ronnie O'Sullivan or, or Alex Higgins, he would have done that probably. <laughs> sorry, but you, you were saying, I don't even remember now <laughs> all or nothing i was t- I was just talking about more TV. I pivoted
0: away from Liverpool's one nil win over Aston Villa because I didn't want to relive it. Ah. the fact that it looked like if that if that match was five minutes longer, we might be talking about uh, shared points
2: here charms, and a one one draw. Well, i tell you what Villa played well, but I mean, there was a difference, and Gerard referenced that post match you know he said you can see there was a golfing class. You know, maybe he didn't use those words exactly, but there was. And there I think he did, actually. I think he used <laughs> those it, words exactly. Was it, was it exactly those words? Yeah. And I mean, listen, I, I, I don't think Villa could be too aggrieved. I know they weren't that happy with the penalty, but I tell you what, there's some great penalties this weekend, weren't there? Holy crap. Not in MLS, but in, in Premier League, there were some great penalties. There really was. Oh, Jorginho, Ronaldo blasted it. Salas was fantastic.
1: Yeah.
0: Salah's was a good penalty. Um, you had message in the group that uh, even penalties he makes breathtaking. Mohamed does, Salah.
2: does, not he? Something, you know, he's just so exciting to watch. No matter what he's doing on the field, he's in that moment, isn't he, at the moment. And, and we've seen Salah have great seasons before, but I don't think we've seen him quite like this before, I don't think. This reminds me of, of Luis Suarez at his very, very best. Maybe better. Ooh. Because there's times there when you just knew that he was going to score every game. Salah, I think, is probably surpassing that right now because I expect him to score more than one every game now, which is crazy.
0: That's a great comparison because I actually think that Salah is more... What was the term that you used? Not valuable, impactful, more... I don't know. Use a specific term that, uh, about Suarez um, that made me think
2: about how important he is. was to- like 17 seconds ago, I forget now.
0: Nibble, nibble. Wasn't even that long. I'm, yeah, I'm like a fish. Um, with Suarez, it was, yeah, you may have expected him to be on the score sheet, but if he was off, I don't think he was as contributing a threat, whereas Salah is always a threat. Always. The surprise to me is I always thought it was, there was a couple of games where short beard Salah didn't perform very well. And so when <laughs> I saw him on, on Saturday, I was like, ooh, Villa got a chance here. He's gone with the short beard. He's got the Clippers too short. But no, <laughs> he was great, as always.
2: Well, oh, Craig, also answer this. I mean, As a goalkeeper, when you see a player like him in this vein of form, when he hits that right channel, and and he's one on one with the the defender, and you know he's going to get a shot off, like what do you what do you do? What part of your goal? Because he can go across goal, he does it all the time. Mm -hmm. He can go near side. Mm -hmm. You know, he's also he can be unselfish as well. Times, you know, not often, but he can be unselfish. How would you play Mo Salah coming at you from that channel? You know, with with one defender between you and the ball.
1: Well, no different than anywhere else. I mean, you can't necessarily just play the player you got to play the play and and whatever that is and your angles and everything else you don't change that there's certain things that he does that are just absolutely unstoppable but you don't want to do something what you tend to do with these players is is guess you try to read what they're going to do because they're so clever so you think oh okay and see so you tend to you can put yourself off balance and go one way and put yourself
2: on the deck too early. That's a great – I love that little phrase you used there. Don't play the player, play the play. Mm-hmm. That's great because it must be really tempting when you see a guy of his ilk to, to play yeah. the player. Like, oh, this guy's yeah. a little bit different than if it was someone else.
1: Well, I mean, okay, when you got a guy like him coming in, say you're come, he's one-on-one with you, you know he's got the ability to do everything and a good probability that he will try to go around you, mm-hmm. I would say. So you can almost set him up as he's coming in to put him in a position to try to go around you. And then it's about almost guessing a little bit because his feet are so quick mm-hmm. and he can go right or left just as well. So it's not like you can get an advantage that way. You can sometimes, I have done it with, I remember doing the Lester with West Ham and giving actually a hole to Heskey, knowing that he would look up and go, Oh, he's giving me that side of the net. Tempting. And I was it's a big lure. I was. And I, and then I went to close it cause he was only two yards, three yards away from me. And I'm like, just basically knew exactly where he was going to go. Cause I gave it to him. And then I, split myself sort of like Schmeichel, made myself as wise as I could, and then somehow went through.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's not how I thought the story was going to end there. No. (laughs) David.
1: I I was
0: expecting a match of the day highlight. You know, they had to pay him royalties because they kept playing on all the
2: commercials. (laughs) Well, well, that that near-side goalkeeper, right? I mean, they always say, you you watch every week you see a goalkeeper concede a goal near-side, and every week you hear a commentator say, oh, you can never concede that there. Is that fair?
1: Not always. Not always. because I mean, this weekend, I can't remember who it was. It might have been the West Ham game last week, Fabianski, on a volley got beat. But the fact is, no matter where it is, like, okay, if if you're on a really tight angle, no, of course, you don't want to get beat there. But you got to remember, if it's just off-center, you your goal is your goal. So you can't be afraid to give up that near post to make yourself acceptable and i've seen it before where guys will actually overprotect the near post knowing that if it goes across them they're not at fault right as opposed to setting yourself in a position that yeah you might get beat near post but you're in a good position the trouble is with near post shots on a tight angle is that you have to get a hard hand on it as opposed to it going across you you just need a nick
2: yeah right
1: you just need a nick to get it by that far post, but you got to get a solid hand if it's coming into the near post. That's just the difference. And that's why you, you tend to close a little bit just for that reason alone. But it's still, it is, it's the goal. The goal is the goal.
0: The way you described that Husky play, like Sharman, I totally anticipated that ending with some spectacular save, which was my follow up was going to be, did you catch yourself a lot or did you put yourself in situations a lot where you were trying to bait a player?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the situation as it, comes up there's certain things that you know players are going to do and certain tendencies and then there's a there's i always had a water bottle in, in beside the net but when there was a penalty for instance um when you're looking at a goal from the penalty spot you you see a frame mm-hmm. uh, sometimes you, the frame behind but these are all targets too for people right and they'll use them when they're taking a penalty i would put a water bottle down in, in, in one of the corners especially on a net that looks just like a white frame it doesn't really have because that's now they go back and they're they have those big frames like big boxes basically there's not a target as much as it used to be with those bars that came down so you put a water bottle there they don't even think about it they don't think you're thinking about it but they'll they'll shoot at it more times than you think Wow. They'll use that water bottle as a target. You're getting in their heads with a water bottle. I love that. So I just, put, I just put it right in the corner. I did it in the Gold Cup. I think if you look in the there'll be
2: where Spria was. That was there. So when you were standing in the Gold Cup, you were standing at one post. Was the water bottle the same side? Or was it the other side to really screw them up? I forget. I can't remember where you had your water bottle. My right. It would have been on my right side. Right. So you stood on the other side and put the water <laughs> yeah, bottle. ball well, was kind of bouncing back and to... forth. But... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really screw the hell out of them. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> That's great. Since
0: we're on goalkeepers, let's just get to the penalty shootout in the MLS Cup, shall we? Because Sean Johnson was
2: amazing. He's got some strong wrists today. Eh? Holy crap!
0: And and he, you know, he really is like a like a penalty specialist. You look at how New York City got into that final and conceding at the death. What a late goal by Portland, who had shown nothing. It seemed like they had no interest. Even Gio Savarese bringing on Diego Valeri in the 88th minute. Like you've been trailing for nearly an hour. How how are you not going for this at home? You could tell that the angst in the stadium. It was amazing that they got it to
1: to penalties, and then it was great for the spectacle too, wasn't it, for Portland because that place is great and yeah, place went absolutely berserk. I played in Portland. We we used to have soccer tournaments in the city of Portland down there. It looked
0: like Portsmouth as a TV spectacle. It was great because the camera angle is like Highbury.
2: Didn't you think that on television
0: that game looked amazing? It
2: did look good, yeah. And it's very tiered, right? The fans and the, they do a great job. They do. I mean, it, it sounds like a proper football match, that's for sure.
1: I can't believe you know when you look around and you see what's going on in North America and these like these stadiums full, Atlanta, mm-hmm. and it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible to think where we have come from. Not that long ago, when Columbus Crew were like, "Woo, soccer specific stadium," he thought it was a freaking mm-hmm. miracle. Now it's a dump. <laughs> Right, and now they have got state of the art stadiums everywhere, and it's like it's it's not going away.
2: It is not going away. We don't want them to grow too quickly, you know. I mean, listen, Gob is smart. I think he's he's very smart. He knows what's going on. But there's this new second tier league. They've just started out on with a terrible logo. MLS Next Gen. That's that's the one. MLS Next Gen. There's going to be a lot of teams, and there's a bit of a concern where it ends.
0: Well, I was surprised with this next-gen development that it seemed as though this was something that they had planned you know, or had hoped for before the pandemic. The pandemic may have delayed things a little bit. And then now that they're sort of back to normal, there's this big influx of cash with the new expansion teams, Charlotte and St. Louis coming in. They were 27 teams to start this season. And mm-hmm. uh, the idea of them eclipsing 30 is very, very likely very mm-hmm. soon. So I think the reason that they didn't name this next-gen MLS2 is because they very much want to have a second tier that is part of promotion relegation. Because how can
2: you have a league with 30-plus teams? I don't know. Well, you make it all regional, right? I mean, it's such a big continent. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think North American ownership is going to... 30,
0: 32, 33, 35 teams competing for one trophy? Well, you split it into two,
2: like National American League,
0: right? You're still talking about one trophy is my point. Isn't that too many teams to compete
2: for one trophy? I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> how many teams are in baseball? NFL is
0: 30. There's 32 teams in the NFL. There's now 32 teams in the NHL. I feel like 32 is is the max. What about max.
2: baseball? How, how many in baseball? 35 teams in every division? 30. You split with the 50, 50, say it's 15 or 16 team conferences. Yeah. Right? Maybe there's a way. So I just don't think the North American sports owner is going to accept promotion relegation.
1: Not the ones that are in now. I mean... Right. If you've if you got MLSE here and they got a team that's worth...
2: Yeah, you know, by the whatever. Way, Yeah, we've got a new system in play. You could be relegated next season. Yeah. Uh, they want cost certainty and that's why this franchise model works over here.
0: I agree with all of that and, that, and forever I thought that it wouldn't um, be a possibility whatsoever. But I think if you look at how many other markets... We also never thought there'd be 40 markets willing to pay this expansion fee to get yeah, in, seriously. especially now. I mean, TFC spent... Ten million in two thousand and seven. That was the buy-in. When Montreal came around a couple of years later, it was thirty or or fifty. I think I think it was fifty. Yeah. And then when Arthur Blank bought in for Atlanta, it was two hundred. That
2: that's a ten years difference. By the way, it's funny on Thursday's podcast we spoke about failing upwards. Yeah. Ali Curtis has done a pretty good job, hasn't he? He's now basically running that league, the new uh, new bad logo league. Yeah. (laughs) Bad logo (laughs) league. He leaves TFC, you know, his pushed or whether it's a mutual, or whatever. Obviously, he didn't do a very good job, and uh, now he's running a league. Less pressure. Yeah.
0: Well, I would also say like failing upwards and succeeding upwards. New York City FC, I would put in that category because obviously they came in with the backing of the the city financial group. They wear that sky blue. That you know, there's been some some ties and trades between Man City and New York City, but over the last few years, they've really fallen away from that star-studded. Big spending model. They've spent a lot, and castellanos was the Golden Boot winner, um, but certainly not on the salary of David Villa or Pirlo or Lampard. Uh, the days before, when they first came around, got themselves in this position now, where far from favorites to to win the title this year, and um, now have maybe solidified something really special in a city that doesn't even have a damn stadium for them. They're still playing in Yankee Stadium, this on a child's pitch, the smallest professional field I've ever seen.
2: Yeah. It's not a great look. How big
0: is that, by the way? Do you know? I'll tell you the actual dimensions if
2: you really want to know, but it is tiny. Have you been there, Craig? Have you, have you, have you done a game there from there? No. Uh, no? It's it, it's ridiculous. It's ludicrous. <laughs> How
1: narrow that pitch is. Where did we do a game? Kansas. Kansas, before they uh, had their new stadium. In the same area, too, but it was a baseball, like a minor league baseball stadium. Right. And uh, where we called the game was on a concrete. It was a box. It was almost like a prisoner of a war, <laughs> like where you'd throw somebody in there <laughs> with a window. Fuck, it was so hot. I had my shoes off. I had. I was pouring water on my feet. It was like it, ridiculous. Nice new stadium, though. Ah, uh, memories. <laughs> yeah, it's
2: hell with the press box, though. Yeah. yeah,
1: and we were way off to one side and... It was the weirdest, <laughs> weirdest thing. But to go
0: back to your previous point, you do have to give Major League Soccer and the group, ownership group's credit for getting it to a point where it does, you do have a spot like Portland that looks like Genoa and rains like Portsmouth. And you do have Sporting Kansas City, which um, that ground looks amazing. Um, looks like they could that could be in Belgium or kind of anywhere in Europe. And that's what's so ridiculous about City being one of the largest ownership groups in soccer, having this team still eight years into existence, play on a pitch that is 70 yards wide by 110 yards long.
2: Is, that what it is? 70. Yeah, you look at the, the City Group and Red Bull, obviously, and I wonder how is this is going to be just a thing of the future, these big clubs investing in other teams and having their own little personal pyramid.
0: Well, this is absolutely the thing of the future because to talk about the expansion to 40, um, the reason I think that that. Is likely. And I always thought it was as long as if pe- teams want to buy in and hey, maybe you're right. Maybe it doesn't get to 40. Maybe 34 is, is, you know, the sustainable ceiling. I think it, it would be. I, in fact, I, I, I hope that they didn't surpass it already, but Vegas, the Aspen Villa owners are set to bring MLS to Las Vegas and the registered Las Vegas villains, whether it comes, goes through or not remains to be seen. But I mean, they're obviously looking at that type of structure and that type of model. And you know, the delay in David Beckham getting into Miami is he was looking to do the same thing with somebody, Mm -hmm. someone that would front the money, but someone that would want to want to partner with him. And I can imagine there were some serious conversations with some of the Glazer kids about having that affiliated with Manchester United
2: in some capacity. So it's villains. I thought MLS was getting away from these stupid names.
0: Well, they've just registered that name as the, it's, it's the ownership group of Aston Villa.
2: With that Okay. As a Villa fan having, say it was, the Las Vegas villains, and, and the connection was with Villa, would would that not seem really ridiculous to you and stupid and asinine and juvenile? You mean like, you mean <laughs> like Man City? <laughs> just the name, villains. I know Aston Villa, villains, but Vegas villains in a city full of gamblers? I don't know. I It seems a bit perfect, a bit actually. Odd. Maybe
0: what you just don't like things that make sense. Yeah, I think it fits well. Yeah, Vegas, villains, all about it. Oh, God, Columbus. What's next at Columbus Crew? Did you know, Craig, that we work with John Tortorella over here? He doesn't like anything that's fun? <laughs> My God, look at you with a different opinion. When it comes
2: to no, – I, I don't care about shirts and color schemes and logos, really. But names, I, I do care about. It does add – I like authentic old-fashioned names. Just do. Sorry. Just sue me.
1: Well, maybe they can incorporate it in like – you know. Las Vegas FC or yeah. Vegas Villains United City Group. Something like that. Get them all in there. Athletic. <laughs>
0: right. Vegas Villains Athletic. I think that'd be a good one. Vegas Villains Athletic. I'd never thought about that. You're like a team in Vegas affiliated with Aston Villa named Villains in Vegas. that That is perfect, actually. The Vegas Villains. I, I love that. Oh, God. More and more. Yeah. And that's how you lose me because I would move to work for that team. That's how you lose me. Yeah. <laughs> The
1: Raiders works there too. <laughs> it does actually, yeah,
0: yeah. And the logo. I feel bad for fans in Oakland because the Athletics are are doing everything possible to try to move to Las Vegas as well.
2: That would be a shame, wouldn't it? With Oakland, because Oakland, like uh, the Athletics, are synonymous with baseball, and they're a they're, they're a global brand. Even when I was in England, didn't know much about baseball, I knew the Athletics played in o- Oakland. You know, and that would be a real shame.
0: Yeah, let let Tampa move there, or or. Put a team back in Montreal. That should be the priority. All of a sudden, Vegas needs you know a team in every
1: single sport. Come on, (laughs) Oakland uh, won't get another team ever again. No, they won't. If they lose them, no, they wouldn't. It's a (laughs) shithole, and the stadiums run down. And now Golden State left right next door. Right, they went. They went down to San Francisco. They're like, hell, they get out of
2: here. Is, Is San Fran close to Oakland? How close is it? It's across the bridge. Oh, it's that, is that close, is it? Okay. My American geography isn't great. Rough area town. Yeah. If you
0: have any more MLS Cup thoughts, now is your time. No, I've got no, none. Shirtless
2: Ronnie Delia. did you like that? Who? The coach. Oh. The naked Norwegian. We'll call him that. Um, Steve Clark I found amusing. The Portland goalkeeper because he, he looked like he was actually Steve Clark, the uh, Def Leppard drummer with one arm. <laughs> Not as good as not as good as Sean Johnson <laughs> nice. in the penalty shootout. No, Sean Johnson's pretty great. I mean, they were awful penalties, but he made some great saves in that shootout. Mm-hmm. He really did.
0: Credit to New York City FC for finally winning a title. I think we all thought that the, eventually that would come, and maybe it would have come with some bigger names on the roster. But I hope it gets him a new ground because, as we said, that that yeah. field is embarrassing. Um, I'm can't, we can't like. Celebrate the house that Frank built. I'm sure it's deterred many of star players from considering, you know, joining the organization. And uh, and for some comparison to you that are wondering what the hell is 110 yards by 70 yards, the Premier League, it's uh, 115 yards long and 75 yards wide. It seems smaller than that, isn't it, when you're there? It, it really mm-hmm. does. Anyway, enough MLS. It doesn't pass the eye test. That's just on paper. I think it's even less
2: than that. Yeah, it might be, yeah. Do they draw very well?
0: Um, not as well as you'd think. Uh, but I think it's tricky because it's you know it's almost a fifty thousand seat stadium, right? They draw about thirty. Their average attendance at Yankee Stadium is is thirty. They do have a f- fervent supporters group. They got some very very good supporters clubs. 30-30 is good. The Red Bulls they're a little bit seeing some. I don't. The Red Bulls don't draw as well as they used to since they've gone now to the model, the pyramid model, and they're at the bottom of the pyramid model below Salzburg. I don't think that they've been able to kind of keep that attention and grow, you know, they're very much a New Jersey team now that New York city can be the New York team and get that brand. Wow. Between snooker and all this MLS escrow talk, (laughs) is anybody still here? I'm here. Yeah. Starkey. I think Bergman he's, he's, he's playing, he's playing snooker or he's watching the the replays.
2: The boys are still here. The boys are still here.
1: No real surprises in the premier league this weekend. Do you think Um, West Ham drawing? But they should have won. Anything else? Nothing else? No,
2: the big boys won, right? I mean, United won. They, they they weren't very good again. They were horrendous. No. They're getting results, but God, they're just not a very good team, are they? And they're getting ripped apart, too. De Gea was great. That was it. De Gea was great. But that's it. Is it confidence with him, Craig? Because, I mean, he's been really good the last... This season, he's been really good. You know I mean? Yeah. Poor Dean Henderson went there thinking the job is mine. Mm. And he can't get a look in right now because De Gea is playing so well.
1: Well, it might have been the competition comes in too, and you're like, okay, yeah, pick it up. That's how I took it. I took United bringing yeah. Henderson back as
0: we're going to get the most out of De Gea because we believe it's in there, and we need someone yeah. capable
1: enough to really steal the spot to push him. Everybody goes through uh, periods, and you know you're not playing as well. I think that one where he conceded, where he had his foot stomped on, was ridiculous. But yeah, that was ridiculous.
2: Did we discuss that? I don't think we did. We didn't discuss it, did we? No. I mean, that few things have annoyed me as much as that this season. I mean, you have to stay on your feet. You have to get up and, as they say, protect your goal, don't you? You're not injured. You're just hurt.
1: Yeah. That's why I said if his foot better be fractured.
2: I asked mm-hmm. a Pesci, Paul's pesca I was really hoping that Pesci had a story about you doing the same thing. But he goes no. In all his years, he's known you. He ne- never saw you do that. Unfortunately, which disappointed <laughs> me.
1: <laughs> so you actually like were going around trying to you're like, trying to find out whether it happened, eh?
2: <laughs> Surely Forrest faked an injury and you know didn't protect his goal on one occasion. Not nah, no. To get out of,
0: of some game or to avoid some set piece that he was terrified <laughs> and facing.
1: Yeah.
2: Did you ever fake an injury, like even in training, to get out of a you know a session?
1: Um, oh, yeah, I booked the odd hamstring in, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I used to tell the physio <laughs> in November to book book one in for about the 24th of November, uh, December. <laughs> Give me Christmas off. <laughs> yeah, Christmas and <laughs> Boxing Day, no. But, uh, yeah, no, for missing training or something like that. Oh, yeah. And then especially in December, I mean, we we talk
0: all the time about how – extensive this period is it's great for the fans uh charms i think you and i are the same i absolutely love the christmas schedule you know if if anything it's
2: there's almost too much soccer because i wish i could watch more of it there's also kind of that that depression just after the uh the, the christmas schedule right and the games suddenly get there's less games and there's an the fa cup weekend it's like oh yeah that's depression hits yeah
0: I, I agree with that it's it's the comparable to september early in September when the leagues have just returned and the Premier League gets really good and they, you got two weeks three weeks and then international break <laughs> get out get out of here and if it's not yeah, you know yeah. an intense point in qualifying and World Cup qualifying then you don't want to take part well, in it's that
2: it's been too much this year right I mean listen it's been great for us Canadian fans obviously been really enjoying it but overall it's like another international break just getting into the Prem right now mm. stop it
0: what I was going to say about this Christmas break, and there might be a few players that will want to pull uh, a move that Craig described there to get out of being run into the ground by Ralph Raniuk, because he has a lot of work to do with this team. I mean, Norwich are considerably improved under Dean Smith. I think we all expected some type of manager bounce, um, that this team maybe was better than than they had shown. Um, but they were bottom of the table, and they, they were pretty embarrassing, Norwich, for much of the season. And I think to go toe-to-toe with United, and for United to walk away with the win, but not have deserved it at all and it's not about being flashy they just they just didn't look complete i mean i know they're trying to understand a new system and and uh I, I think it seems like every one of those players will tell you their bodies feel different after 90 minutes in in this style but that's not good enough for united am i wrong there no they're, they're I think got yeah. nowhere near right yet should united fans be alarmed by how they've Looked in these last couple of games.
1: Well, I mean, what are, what are, you know, what are their expectations at this stage? You know, they're 10 points out of a uh, top spot, mm-hmm. right? I mean, do they think they've got a shot to win it now or just trying to get themselves back into winning ways into the Champions League? And, you know, I mean, it's going to take some time for sure, but that was, that was a De Gea show. Other than that, Norwich would have got something. And like you said, they they're much improved. Norish. like that, that was not an easy game for them. And you know, I guess you could credit United for the goalkeeper doing his job really well, and for them winning a game when they they didn't really deserve three points.
2: Well, I mean, at this point, I mean, they even said themselves, really, the goal is to finish top four, right? At this point for United, yeah. And you look at the race of top four with with West Ham dropping points as well, you know, United's a one point back of fourth place, but then you've got Arsenal, a point back of United, a point further back is Spurs with two games in hand. Leicester look much better today as well. So, I mean, at this point, who's a favourite for fourth place? It's going to be a good battle, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's United. I've seen nothing from this team to suggest that they should be favourites for that fourth place. And there's talent there, obviously, and when Paul Pogba gets back, mm-hmm. if he decides he likes the manager that make a big difference. Yeah. But maybe he won't let the manager, right? And, and it'd be the opposite. And can Spurs turn themselves around? Yeah. If they're playing better, right? And, and with two games in hand, they're re- I mean, all this time off for Spurs, I mean, I don't know how much they get getting to train with, with this COVID issue right now in particular, but even with the snow bowl a couple of weeks ago there at Burnley, more time to train with, with Antonio Conte. I think Spurs might be the favorites to finish in the top four at this point.
1: Yeah. Well, they win one of their two games in hand and they'll be tied for fourth. They win. Yeah. That's just one of the next two. So they're right in it. At this point,
0: still with a busy Christmas period to come, I actually like Arsenal. I think that like United Spurs are still growing into the team that they want to be. And I think that Conte, um, I think that Conte sees there's, a lot of work to be done. And for him, it's a balance between, okay, what can I get out of them to, you know, have a run and contend for, uh, to, to be fourth at at the end of the season. And what can I do to make this team play at their best, uh, truly at their best without pulling the rest of my very expensive hair implants out because it's a, it's a fine line, right? I think that that Spurs are a team that frustrate their fans um, hugely as well. But for United, it was the, it was the reaction from not just the commentators, but all of the, all of the pundits, and it was was it Michael Owen that was in the was on the panel afterwards, and he seemed as embarrassed as if uh, they'd lost under Ollie. It was it was that same kind of feeling, like what 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 am I watching? What is this? I see the red shirts, yeah, I can celebrate the points, but let's not ignore how glaringly poor they are, and how how flattering this match was for Norwich, who should be
2: nowhere near their class. And the fact is, with United and Rennick, I mean, this guy comes aboard, he's got a very different philosophy to what they've been embracing yeah recently anyway and he's going to be there for half a season it takes a long time to implement that system right and by which point it might be too late for them this season yeah well i mean right now they're grinding out results against pretty bad teams you know um when they start playing some good teams watch out and that could be a real problem because they're so far behind the front runners right
0: now well Craig has said that there wasn't really any other surprises, but until Jorginho's second penalty there, it looked as though Leeds were going to take a point mm-hmm. away from Sanford Bridge, and not too many teams can do that. And they I probably know. were really unlucky not to, not to have come away with it. For a side that's struggled to find their feet, Leeds, they played very well against the European champions.
1: Silly challenge, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, rare the death. Play the play, not the player. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of silly... We got to go to the Man City game.
2: Raúl, yeah, you see? Oh my God! What is he thinking? The <laughs> Sent off card. Thirty seconds free kick, and he's he's not giving ten yards. I mean, the panel was incredulous, yeah, as well, thinking, what was he? Was it just a brain cramp? What was it? I mean, you're on a yellow card.
1: I'm thinking, you know, when you know, like there's a set piece at the top of the box, and you get players will stand there, and the the referee will go, you know, okay, on the whistle, back up, like. 10 yards you know they get away with it kind of a little bit like that but there's a point where it's like you know you're supposed to be 10 yards quit being a dickhead back up and then
2: he does that yeah. and it's like <laughs> it's unbelievable i, I, I love mean, the way Connor cody was like he was remonstrating with the referee saying what do you mean you can't do that's like yeah you can that is the rule it's clear cut yeah if you don't back up it's a yellow card and he's yeah. in a yellow card
0: He's under a lot of pressure. He feels like he's got to justify his place for his club and his national team.
2: I, I think I thought. I mean, Bruno Large kind of like commiserated with him when he came off the field. But I mean, other managers would not have done that. They would have said, "Get in your seat, you idiot!" You know, and maybe there were words afterwards because Wolves. Listen, once again, they're playing a very good team very well. Mm-hmm. They're very good defensively. They're in the fight, as they were last week against Liverpool. And then this kind of stupidity can cost them important points because right now they're in that conversation for fourth place as well. If you look at the standings, mm-hmm. they've really come on a long way. They're a really nice team.
1: Yeah, they are. The manager said he'll learn from his mistakes. He knows that he cannot do that. <laughs>
2: so why did he do it? <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: It was funny when he was walking off, throw, throwing his little uh, helmet from his skull injury. <laughs> throwing on the ground, the crowd cheering every time he did it.
2: <laughs> i know i think people feel guilty calling him an idiot because of what he's been for the last you know 15 months and what a great story it was to see him back in the field but sorry you're still an idiot mm. <laughs> you shouldn't do that hopefully you know bring some of that stupidity to your national team in next uh, couple of months would be really handy
0: well you went straight to the the brain judgment like
2: what was he thinking was it a brain cramp was it is it not functioning up there? <laughs> i didn't mean that. yeah i didn't mean that at the time but had okay. i thought of mm-hmm. it, i, I, I probably would have used it you're right had i thought of it that's the
0: difference between your accent and mine people just assume people just assume that's where you were going with it
1: <laughs> because
2: he's recovered can you make fun of him or not sure yeah okay good Craig played the game. He can he can do it. Yeah, you, you guys
1: always make fun, fun, fun of my one
2: bollock. No, we do not. You are the one that
0: makes fun you of it. You make fun of it, but it definitely is encouraged by Wonger because he just loves talking about genitalia. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I would say that in general we're pretty self-deprecating, no matter what our imperfections are. So uh exactly. sure, then we can. Yes, we can make fun of his brain yeah, injury. It's
0: what brings us together, truly. I mean, Wonger thought he hit the nail on the head when he said, Well, it was an unemployment that brought us together. But it's our self-deprecating humor and low self-worth <laughs> that keeps us together. Yeah, low exactly. self-worth,
1: yeah, exactly. That's it.
0: <laughs> there we go. That's it. Arsenal 3-0 winners over Southampton. Cruised it. Cruised.
2: Yeah, I know. Southampton's just shit.
1: <laughs> Every once in a while, they lay an
2: egg, though, don't they, Southampton? Yeah, they do. It's crazy. Yeah, they, they, they are the most, uh, most inconsistent. They're horrible to pick. You know, when you're trying to gamble, because you have no idea what team's going to show up. Because mm-hmm. they can, they are capable of pulling off su- surprises.
0: And I think as a team, they they can play well as a unit, but they they do just have these moments where they get absolutely shredded, or you know, they start trailing early in a game, and you just think, oh god, damage control at, at two nil. Let's not make it nine, and it's the end of it for mm-hmm. them. And I think that's Newcastle now.
1: Yeah, they're very close to the bottom three, Southampton. They're only well, they're five points clear. A Burnley. I
0: think the Saints are very capable of getting sucked into that, especially with, you know, you look at how much better Norwich is playing, like God, could the Canaries pull themselves out? I think at some point, I think Norwich is still going to go down, personally, if I had to bet on it. But I do think that they're going to pull themselves
2: out of the bottom three and make it very dramatic down there. Yeah, and Seth Hampton definitely could get, you know, drawn into that battle for sure. I mean, that's, that's probably the only team I've ever watched that could on a given day beat Man City or could lose 9-0 <laughs> to Man City. Yeah, it's true. You just don't know what's going the shop. up. You really don't. But yeah. You mentioned Arsenal before, B. And, yeah. You know, you, you like them. I, I just, I, I think they're a work in progress, but I don't think they're as good as preps we might think they are because you look at their results, right, and who they beat, right? They, they beat Southampton, okay? Then they, they lost to Everton last week, United the week before. They beat Newcastle. They beat Watford. They beat Leicester, who were struggling at the time. They beat, uh, well, Villa at the time, we were very, very poor. Uh, so the teams they're beating are not good teams. The teams that they face who are decent teams, they do they have a hard time against. You know, they, they don't beat the cities, the Chelsea's, the Liverpool's. But if you're beating everybody Spurs, else. Even Spurs. Yeah, I know. So, right, but that doesn't mean they're going to be a top-four team. They've though. done it before.
0: They've done it. They've done it before with beating everybody except the the top five around them.
2: Right, right, and, and okay. So, but that doesn't mean they're a good team though, or a good side. It means they're a team very much a work in progress. They've got some big issues there, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Aubameyang is, I don't know what happened to him. I mean, is it age? Has he lost a step? Has he lost confidence? He gets a big contract. He's been pathetic since. He hasn't been good. Yeah, and,
0: and has Lacazette reached the heights that you expected of him? Too, Because I, I feel
2: like... When he joined, when he signed, I mean, that was a big deal. right? He, he'd been doing so well. And the, the idea of having the two of them was lethal. He's captain, right? He often gets a captain's armband when he comes
0: on. When he yeah, we've there. discussed before. Armbands mean nothing, though. Right? I know. But there's something that Arteta likes about him. So you're not going to read anything into Leicester's 4-0 win over Newcastle then because Newcastle are shit?
2: Leicester, well, speak of inconsistent, I, I don't know what Leicester is either. I mean, I still think they're a pretty good team and they're better than they've shown so far. Uh, James Madison's really warmed up the last month or so. He's looked fantastic, and uh, and Dak has scored. Did you see see the celebration? Yeah, we got another we got another Esprit in the prem, which is always good to see. That's a lovely goal, by the way.
0: That was a great goal. Did you see Connor Gallagher's second goal in Palace's win, three one over Everton? Oh, yes. oh. I haven't seen that yet. Oh, he's a player. He he had a he had a cracker. Connor Gallagher's got six what? goals. For Palace,
1: outside the box, right, got his got it on his right foot. I think it was a poor clearance, wasn't it? Yeah. And then he got to the, in the end of that, twenty something yards out, right foot, fucking just
2: top corner. Is he being the breakout player of the season? I think he might have been. He's pretty good. Definitely their breakout player for sure. I, I think a, a, no one was saying before the season what you have a kind of at, at Palace. <laughs> no. Right. I don't think. Maybe they were. I, I no, wasn't.
0: I don't think anyone thought, oh, Chelsea's really missing out with this guy not being there. But I would be surprised if he's not back at Chelsea next season, um, the way that he's playing now. They'll, they'll certainly look to keep him there, whether he's able to get into the squad. And that's what the commentators were on about how they hope that he is able to stay at Palace next season because he can continue this run of form and continue developing. He's got six goals, which is the same amount as Mason Mount right now.
1: Yeah. Vieira is doing a good job,
0: too, eh? Very good job. Yeah, uh, that's f- hilariously that's the only game that I took like proper notes on for this podcast, and one of them is to credit Vieira for I think not getting enough credit for how well Palace played against United um, in that loss because Palace really gave them everything, and you know it, it was United's quality that won out, and I think that's mm-hmm. you know my doubt with them is like we've seen it in games where you think United's quality is going to take them over the top, and it doesn't, but some of those teams that just aren't that level and don't have that edge like Palace. They're the ones that that lose out and miss out. And they played very, very well, as Dietsch would say, fantastically well against Villa. So I give Palace a lot of credit. And I'm not just saying that because I want to be able to go into bars again and not fear that I'm going to be glassed by some Palace fan who's angry about my tweet. I mean (laughs) it. I think Palace are a
1: good team. Yeah, no, they've been great. What's going to happen with Everton? What's (sighs) going to happen there? Something's going to break, right? I mean, they are dropping down and down and down.
0: And it's a poisonous that that ground is just toxic you know i've not i've not been to goodison obviously but you can hear it through the tv you can see it in the, their fans um and if you listen to any fans speak on Colin shows like they
2: are just now uh, are they are they devoting their their anger towards just the club as a whole the ownership or is Rafa getting an there because i mean they had so many injuries this season right no one's been i don't think anyone has been more crippled through injury than everton I think that but at the same time they're just looking for an excuse to turn on Rafa you think because of his past I think' the, no I think I think that he was never going to win them over because because
0: of his past rafa but I think it's clear to that fan base that it's the ownership that's let them down and you can write checks and oftentimes you know we've seen teams do it the more you spend well it eventually it brings success but everton have spent half a billion they've gone through five managers in six years and this last one that brought in a guy that they probably shouldn't have because of his past and because of where the team is as well. They just brought him in because he was a big name. And it's been an absolute disaster, the the cherry on top.
2: Yeah, but that's not – Is that ownership's fault. I mean, they spent half a billion dollars. They've spent money. It's been perhaps the uh, the guys they've signed and hired to recruit has been the issue. And the guy, I forget his name now, Marcel Brand, right? He left last week. Mm-hmm. He walked away. So, I mean, blame ownership for those guys. Sure, sorry, I'm um, – as you can see, I'm trying to plug my computer in here. There we go. All right. Um, but they've, they've committed. They've spent money. Just it's been poorly spent.
1: You can't keep blaming managers, but the injuries are a major factor. For them, for sure. But it doesn't matter. Results are everything. Even even if. But he got booed when uh, Richarlson was uh, substituted off, but by all accounts for Charleston had a calf injury. So. so,
2: so if they can Rafa, who's going to be the natural replacement?
1: <laughs> there you go.
2: Do you think Nuno Santos got like all? It looks like an Everton manager. Oh,
0: that's a great shout. You know, what I was going to say to my tongue was that the Duncan Ferguson's going to take over and ride them out the rest of the season and keep, and Again, keep them right?
2: up. He did, did pretty good job last time. He did he? a good
0: job last time. It wasn't half a season though, and it was a different lot of players as well. Uh, he didn't. I don't think he had the uh, list of. Luxury players and guys on a wage bill over 100000 a week. Not as many as are in this team right now. Yeah, Nuno would be a good fit there, right? Because I, I felt as though Spurs were... Spurs seemed like the natural progression for where he was at, but that Spurs team did not seem like the right fit for him in that moment.
2: Yeah, he wasn't quite big enough for them. I liked him. He wasn't quite big enough for them. Right? Whereas I think Everton, you can't say he's too. he's not big enough for Everton. I mean, with respect to Everton, they're not the team they were you know, 30 years ago. They're just not. They haven't won anything for I don't know how many years. I don't
0: think there'd be too many managers, particularly young managers or progressive managers who are looking at their career on an upward trajectory that say, you know what, Everton, now, give me them.
2: Yeah. I mean, I mean the fact is that they've signed some pretty well-known managers over recent years, has some good managers. Roberto Martinez did a great job. Well, for a while, they did a pretty good job. Yeah.
0: Ancelotti. Great, great managers.
2: Oh, look what they did to get Marco. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I forgot about Ancelotti. That's right. Of course. Unbelievable.
0: Jesus. This is the thing about like it it not working. Ancelotti turning up there was unbelievable. And that start they had with a roster that included Hemis Rodriguez. And there was another star in that side that seemed unthinkable. Who who was it? it wasn't Richarlison. Wasn't there another player that came in with Hamas and we're like, "Wow, how is this the Premier League? This is Everton and it's Ancelotti. Maybe it was just Ancelotti being there and it's like, I think it may be Richarlison. Wow, how do how they how do they have him there? But it was Marco Silva yeah. that brought Richarlison to Everton, I think. Oh, was it? Okay. At that time, he wasn't kicking on in the in the cell of sound. He wasn't playing for Brazil, but he's right. he's worked his way into that squad to be a regular. I think that Nuno Santo was a great shout and probably a better option than Duncan Ferguson or Alan Kirbishley. For Everton if they're looking to stay. Out.
2: But the fans would be screaming for Duncan focus on the to be given a chance, which is why the fans shouldn't be making those choices. Perhaps hey, listen, maybe it's a great choice. Maybe he's the guy. But I mean there's a reason why he hasn't been given a full time manager's job elsewhere, I'm assuming. Mm. How
1: about how about this as well? The Everton are in dire financial situation. They lost 140 million pounds. In the pandemic that's or in relation in the to fin- their poor spending for the, for the last financial year. Yeah. That's a big hurt.
0: But a lot of teams in that situation that are hoping to win their way out of it. But yeah, in Everton situation, in Everton situation, I, th- I think that there's a, there's a lot of toffees that are afraid this is spiraling out of control. Like the year Villa went down where you think, wow, oh, this team's too big to go down. The team's too good to go down. I mean, we said that about Newcastle at least once in those two times that they went down as well. Mm-hmm. So, I'd be uh, pretty afraid if I was a Toffees fan, but I'm not. So, I'm just enjoying Roger Bennett's panic tweets about them. Very cynical, hilarious panic tweets.
2: Well, if you are going to go down, maybe now is the time to go down because, you know, there's all this talk about the redistribution of wealth around football and how parachute payments may not be for long. Right. You know, and, you know, there's a lot of discussion about that, which is turning a lot of fans off, which I understand. But uh, at the moment, you are getting those parachute payments. So, hey, mm-hmm. maybe now it's better than five years from now and everything changes. Lots of changes with the agents too mm-hmm. and, and the take. I mean, the game has got some big issues to worry about.
1: But, hey, but if- you know about ben- reading about Benitez, guys, and on this one again, is like the financial fair play guidelines kick in right here with, with losses of that substantial amounts, right? And so that was why he was unable to spend big in his first transfer window. Right. Right. No other Premier League club spent less than Everton. Oh, really? This past window? Yeah, 1.6 That's million. That's interesting. I thought they were better. I, I
2: didn't realize they were in that bad a situation. I mean, they, who they signed. I mean, they, Andrew Townsend came on a free, didn't he, I think? I don't know. doesn't matter. DeMario
1: Gray was the uh, sole acquisition. Acquisition.
2: Oh, okay, so it's DeMario Gray, was it? Okay.
0: Yeah. There's a couple of players on that team that surprised me that they're there he brought in Solomon Rondón that w- that was Rafa's big acquisition a disaster it's been a disaster he's been just old. wasn't particularly great for Newcastle either though it was Moments guy, right?
1: Mom- moment sky right moment moment exactly he was a free transfer so was Azmir Begović
0: Everton's in a world of hurt for sure um speaking about stupid money and the uh balance being off and things uh, Real Madrid are cruising they won the Madrid derby beating Atletico 2-0 and they have a very comfortable uh, pilot seat in uh or captain's chair i should say in la liga because barcelona are, are no threat it seems that atletico maybe have uh, have one eye on contending in the champions league is it
2: eight points now they're up eight points in the second place you know we've actually recorded
0: this earlier than we've ever recorded this on the sunday and uh the game has just concluded still have- so my updated table
2: yeah well it's eight points anyway
0: sevilla do play sevilla, tomorrow uh, Tomorrow do they okay there you go. So it could be five points. Sevilla just crashed out of the Champions League though, right? They got relegated to the Europa yeah. League. Yeah. So, yeah. Who's
2: been dropped down to the uh, the conference uh league?
0: <laughs> what are you doing to me? Le- yeah,
2: Lester's Lester, in there. Did you hear, did you hear <laughs> do, you do you hear that? You have Do you
1: hear Rogers? Yeah. To be honest, Amazing. I don't even know what that is.
0: <laughs>
1: and neither do we.
0: <laughs> yeah. I nope. I love that he said it. I, I tweeted that. Yeah, I do too. You put it in the group, Craig, and I tweeted that Rodgers is just saying what we're all thinking. I saw that. All of us have thought all season long. If you're not a Spurs or a Pasos Ferreira fan, are you watching the Conference League? And even if you are. I, I don't think you
1: <laughs> And even if you, what else are you doing with your life? Like, what does it mean? Like, what, like, what does it all mean?
2: Nothing. Nothing. It means just uh, more, more of a headache on a Thursday.
1: Put out the youth team. Oh, I would just Send the reserves.
0: Let's finish up on uh, the wild championship drama that had everyone on the edge of their seats. Um, did that guy win the eight frames at the end there,
2: Charm? Uh, uh, yeah, Dour? yeah, totally. He, he wrapped it up. Yeah. He won it with um, uh, 128. That happened. A,
1: we, we talked about that an hour ago. What do you You don't know the rules? <laughs> Come on. Luca
2: Broussel. Come on. Remember that name. Oh, Belgian. Luca Broussel. First Belgian to win a championship. Yeah. There aren't many. Yeah, the um a lot of Chinese and Thai players have become very well known over recent years, but but it's still very much a a UK dominated sport. And to see a Belgian win a championship is quite exciting for the future of the sport in Europe. You can tell that I'm excited about it.
1: Do you know the uh points uh, what the balls points are worth, Brendan? No. I'm the wonger of this situation here.
2: What's a pink worth? Just give That's it a, not whirl. a pink ball. There is yeah, there a pink is. ball. There is? Yeah, Don't yeah. Give over. Second highest uh, value. What is it? Was it worth? I, I couldn't tell you. I've never played
0: <laughs> for points here.
2: Give us a number. Any number. Five. Oh, it's Ooh, close. Close. Not, not bad. Craig, we need to play. Craig, you and I need to play at some point. That'd be the blue, yeah, right? That's right. Craig, there's a snooker. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yellow, green, brown, blue, pink, and black. And of course, reds worth one. Fifteen reds on the table. There's
0: a footy primer that loves snooker. That he we used to work with, Sandy. Didn't you go?
2: I play. I, I often play Sandy. Actually, good Still, Well, I has not not through COVID, okay. sadly, but prior to COVID, we played a number of times. I, I yeah.
0: feel as though he used to wear the the tuxedo uh, minus the jacket, but that's how he used to show up to work <laughs> when we worked together at Fox. It, does he
2: show up he to the is, bar to
0: play like that with you?
2: He yeah, Jackson. he does. I think I, I think he has worn a. I'm pretty sure I've seen him wear a bow tie before, and I played him. He's hardcore. He loves the sport. Oh.
1: We should we should get uh, Cliff Thorburn and, and go to a bar somewhere and and hustle. We should.
2: <laughs> so Alex, like, no one know who he is, right?
1: Yeah, put a yeah. camera up and, and just and do a hustle. <laughs> he, like, he could like hit a couple of
2: really bad shots and then throw some money away. Cliff, money, play for time. I used to I used to play for beer back in my school days many a time. It was great. Pool, not snicker.
1: Yeah, completely different skill, really. Yeah. Uh, different game. Entirely. I love it. It's oh, like
2: baseball and cricket. Same thing. I <laughs> love it. So that's
0: your niche. You know, that's that's always been your thing. You grew up on it. That's uh that's how you would spend your free time and your days and you had no one to talk to about it. And if only there was like a Netflix documentary made about snooker <laughs> that that debuted before the pandemic and got everybody really into it. Maybe people would have watched the Scottish Open in Wales.
2: Well, you know the trouble is, like most most of my well, early in my career, I followed the sports that no one else followed and covered, and then now everyone's bloody covering soccer. For Christ's sakes, you know it's not niche anymore. You know I'm no longer a hipster, so maybe snooker's my new soccer. My
0: setup to that was I was getting texts from people all weekend and this morning during the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix from people that couldn't even tell you how many tires are on a car, how many wheels are on a formula one car a few months ago. And now are asking me all experts, yeah, all experts and and asking me about <laughs> the pit strategy and tire strategy and why the mediums are so inconsistent this year. Why don't they switch tire manufacturers? How are you watching this right now? The, the, the television <laughs> ratings have been through the roof for formula one. And I can imagine that. Uh, and I tweeted from the show account that the globally, the television ratings for uh, Lil little Leon, which was a good game and, I think uh, Bologna and someone with Torino were playing in the Serie a just just plummeted when, once that race started.
2: <laughs> Netflix have a lot to answer for.
0: Well, this is the thing with the finish, right? The, the conspiracies will fly because it was a, was a controversial finish on the last lap to have them come out of a yellow to run one sprint at an incredibly um, uh, altered track that allowed it to be considerably faster. Uh, Max Verstappen was on pole, Kreger, for this race. He was on pole last year. His qualifying time, 13 seconds faster this year because of the track alterations that increased the speed. That's insane. Right? So it was fast. They they definitely got a show. And uh, a lot of people, you know, a lot of Lewis fans, whether new or old, upset that it seems as though, you know, maybe there was uh, some foul play to make it a little more dramatic. But, I mean, we're talking about Formula One here, right? To, which is a FIFA level money machine founded by a train robber that's run by an American yeah. marketing <laughs> company. What do you expect?
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know what though? Uh, from a sporting standpoint, I didn't want to see that race finish like just with a uh with a car, you know, just drive over the line behind the uh yellow flag, of course. Neither did Formula One. Flag. That's why
2: they pulled the flag up. Lewis would have been quite happy with it. Oh, for sure,
1: because it, and he was on his tires were you no. Know, he, he was a well, the commentator I think said it. He was a sitting duck.
2: He was. Yeah, his tires are done. But nice to
1: see a uh, first Dutchman ever win, right?
2: Did Yost never win a Grand Prix or uh, never won a championship? Is that Yost for Stafford. for Did he win? A, did he win a race? Is
1: well, no, but no, I, I never won a title before, right? A Dutch no, 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 never won a never championship. Won his dad, I yeah, his dad used to race too, right? It's funny, right? Because Charmin says all the time that he
0: hates like quizzes. He's not a big fan. And I know that Wonger's planned this, uh, 600 question quiz. But <laughs> when, whenever you're not hosting, I feel like you always ask me questions that I should know. Like how many, what was his first entry? Was it the 94 Brazilian Grand Prix that Jasper Verstappen debuted in? And then he retired in 2003. How many Grand Prix wins did he get? Any championships? No wins, two podiums, 17 career points for Jasper Verstappen. There you go really only 17 points the point system was very different though right up until i think it was when jensen button won the year jensen button won for Braun, which was 2009 that Nine. season was insane there, there you know there was D- damon hill oh i guess lewis had one uh, the year before to count as a, as a brit but i was going to say uh, i felt like English... damon hill never won did he 96 it was 96 90, 94 95 was michael schumacher oh, did he? 96 in the williams with damon hill and then 97 in the williams his was, uh, was Jacques Villeneuve.
2: Well, that's why, I mean, I, I grew up watching Nigel Mansell, right? Great, great racer as well. And, you know, all these Brits who struggled for so many years. And now you look at Lewis Hamilton, seven world titles. It's unbelievable how much better he is than everyone else. And I, people say it's the car, whatever. Mansell has some pretty great cars too. He's also racing against Ed and Center, which is a bit of an issue. Um, but seven titles, and he'll get eight eventually, I would think. He'll get eight next um, season. My God, is mean, he the greatest of all time? I mean, you tell me
0: in my opinion, (laughs) in my opinion, he is. And there was one race this season. Now I forget which race it was where he ended up at the back of the pack. And you thought it even to get in the top five would be incredible. And he won it. And that was based, you know, he has an amazing car, but it takes driver ability and there's Mm -hmm. no, there's no one like him. And I think that to to be able to do it at that level to surpass Michael Schumacher, I, I think that he had some great cars, but there's, there's something to it to be able to continue to do it. We hear it all the time in every sport. It's one thing to win a championship; it's a lot harder to defend it. And I think at that level, mm-hmm. where everyone's chasing one driver,
1: the formula, the formula, one that the best driver tends to rise rise up to the
2: best team. Don't you find that as well? Like, yeah, that's a good point, actually, isn't it? They get yeah. recruited by the best teams.
0: Yeah, right. That's how it works. Paid the most. No, it's a it's an exciting time for Canadian soccer on both sides of the coin. It's an exciting time for British racing because Lando Norris is the is the next one, and George Russell will take Valtteri Bottas' a seat in Mercedes. And George George yeah. Russell's a, a great driver as well. But how about a great, great, great title in Canadian? Uh, how does he do? Uh, Lance Stroll finished 13 in the uh, drivers' standings in the drivers' championship standings, behind uh, oh, yeah. former world champion Sebastian Vettel, his teammate at aston martin racing but hey we can say you know what a great year this was for canadian sports the women won gold look at where the men's team's at uh, damian warner won the uh, olympic decathlon so he's the world's best athlete and uh, a canadian decided the formula one world championship because if nicholas latifi yeah. didn't crash into the wall we're not getting one uh, one lap sprint there that sees
2: so, max so should be considered for the don't call it Lou Marsh award next year
0: for, for Don't call it the Lou Marsh. It was Latifi <laughs> that hit the wall, uh, that set that up. No, no, but okay. yeah, but, no,
2: but but Stroll was involved though. He was he was central to the championship being decided the way it was by 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 not really being involved. But he just said he was involved. He was
0: a teammate. I t- said Latifi hit the wall. Two there's, oh, there's talking two about- Canadians on the grid.
2: Oh, oh, now okay. that he doesn't host the sports, oh, right. sports show, okay, he, doesn't, yeah. he doesn't know. So, huh? Okay, so Latifi. <laughs> yeah. So, so Latifi should be considered for the Don't call it the uh, Lou Marshall Award next year. Uh,
0: see, you know what it is? It's been so long since I've seen you that I don't get Charmin quality anymore. Your humor has been diluted because you've spent all weekend sitting in the same pair of clothes watching snooker.
2: <sighs> I haven't watched as much sport as I have this weekend for a long time. Like yesterday, it was like wall to wall footy and the snooker, and it ended with the leaf game, and then followed by UFC. And then today, I didn't plan to watch much sport because I had things to do. But somehow, I managed to watch a lot of snooker. I know you
0: feel like we pick on you a lot for how you've looked lately on these Zooms. But today, in this in this setup in your very large suburban basement, right now, honestly, <laughs> Craig, doesn't he look like he'd be talking about like triple A baseball? You look so American. You look like an American dad.
2: Let me tell you about the Pack 12 I'm, I'm working at Yorkie. Not in- but
0: pack. it looks like it could be a collegiate university. Could be uh, this is where my <laughs> daughter went to school, and I love it. And let me tell you about the lacrosse team. It looks like you're breaking down
2: something in the NCAA. I could never break down anything in NCAA. <laughs> <laughs> Nor would I care to. And the old Muhammad Ali, yeah, sure, Danny Dicchio. the two great ones behind me. That
0: that's, that's a perfect fit. I've go I've got D Rose book next to uh, Eckhart Tolle, and I think there's some Margaret Atwood on this uh, shelf back here. So. It's about putting all the grades together.
2: I see. I've got actually. I've got the Harry Potter collection on my shelf too. I don't know how it got there.
0: I have no idea how it got there. Obviously, it's something that you love to read.
1: Well, I have green yeah. e- green eggs and ham. <laughs> <laughs> it takes me a week to read it.
2: <laughs> well, every week <laughs> you, you read it every week.
1: <laughs> well, I got through Humpty and Dumpty as well. Mm. one
2: day we'll write your <laughs>
1: biography Craig, okay? I know here you know, is a complicated story it is, it's
2: complicated yeah. <laughs> a lot of self-loathing for that little fella this yeah. is, well
0: you, you could be on our show um, it fit fit right in with the group <laughs> but this is going to be a real complicated mess for me to edit boys so I think it's time we put a bowl on it right. thank you everyone for listening, thank you guys for making time on a Sunday night to talk about the weekend games, this has been the weekend recap we'll talk to you midweek in Wongers tent hopefully for our big year-end Christmas quiz Yeah.